This podcast contains language that may not be suitable for all listeners. Hello, my name is Ryan Wynn, and this is How It's Reported. This is a podcast from the Emerald Podcast Network about how reporters and designers do the work that we do. Today, I said designers because today we have... Hi, I'm Morgan Darby. I'm a designer for the Daily Emerald. How are you doing today? Um, I'm good. How about you? I, I'm pretty good. I think I've finished most of my like final projects and such like that. Um, if there's anything that I haven't finished though, <laughs> or like just forgot, that's a that's a bit of an issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So as a designer, Morgan, you just design like you design the paper every week. You also design special sections, perhaps like duck season and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, um, I uh, work on the paper edition every week, and I also um, work on social media posts. So every Thursday, I do the weekly news wrap-up. I thought Jake, our social media manager, did those. No. (laughs) I'm shook. Yeah. And so you wrote a cover story this week. That's pretty special since, as um, our art director, Kelly Kondo, said, this is probably, you're probably the first designer in, like, living memory to have wrote a cover story right yeah i guess (laughs) yeah could you tell us a little bit about what it's about yeah so i basically was writing about how the me too movement impacted individual lives in the uo community and i kind of got the idea for it because i felt like in my own life i was still thinking about the me too movement despite the fact that it wasn't uh, necessarily present in the media very much And so I was kind of wondering if other people who knew survivors or survivors themselves were still feeling the impact of it and still thinking about it. Um, So uh, that's kind of how it got its start. Yeah, so I was also wondering... You talked to several people for this story. How did you meet these people? So that was kind of uh, one of the difficulties that I faced when starting the story. Um, I pitched the idea, but we weren't really sure if it could go any further than that, unless I was actually able to find people who were willing to speak on their experiences. Yeah, it's a really tough thing to talk about. Yeah, definitely. And it's not really something that you can go up to someone and say, hey, are you a survivor? I'd like to interview you. You kind of have to go through certain paths to find people. So I started by emailing the Women's Center. They didn't really have anyone at the Women's Center that could speak on anything, but they directed me to Sophie, uh, who was the um, acting director for the Organization Against Sexual Assault. And she opened up as a survivor immediately. So I knew that I could ask her as far as like boundaries go. Kelly, I was doing some research on how local news had covered the movement at its peak in the media. Yeah. And that's Kelly Matthews, um, a University of Oregon public relations professor for anyone who hasn't quite read the story yet, but it will be in the description. You can just click on it like other things you do on the internet but go on with what you were saying Morgan. yeah so i was doing some research looking at how um local news outlets had covered this and i came across her name and i was like oh she works at u of o um so i reached out to her i didn't really 
know what her experience with assault or harassment was, um, but I made it clear what I was looking for um, as far as the article went. And she pretty much immediately was very clear about her story with sexual harassment. So I knew that it was something that I could talk to her directly about. So that's kind of how I found her. And then Ryan Kelly, who is a um, women's self-defense instructor for uh, at the rec here. I was talking to a friend of mine about how I really wanted a male voice in the article. I was wondering, could you elaborate on why you wanted to do that just for our listeners who are a bit curious about that? Yeah. So statistically, women are affected by sexual harassment and assault in higher numbers, but it does still affect men. And I think that even if it didn't affect men, uh, they're still a part of the equation somehow. They still know survivors or just having friends who are women, like it affects men. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to get that perspective because I I felt like um, otherwise the story was going to be a little one-sided. And I actually, so I was talking to a friend about how I wanted to get a male perspective. I had emailed the men's center and they weren't able to find anyone So, yeah, I was talking to a friend and she mentioned her self-defense instructor who was very open about his experience as a survivor. And so I thought that would be a great person to contact because it's it's not very often that you hear about a man who or a man who is open about his experience. Yeah, it's definitely something that's hard for a lot of people to talk about. And I also want to mention that even though you are a designer right now, um, Morgan has reporting experience. You were the editor of your high school newspaper. Um, yeah. You can give a little shout out now if you want. I was co-editor-in-chief for my um, high school publication my senior year. And then I was opinion editor junior year. So Yeah. So clearly you had prior reporting experience. But I was wondering when you were approaching these interviews about these tough topics that people may not necessarily one, want to talk about, or two, want to be public. How did you sort of approach those conversations? It's hard for maybe people who are like in their day-to-day lives to talk about it, but in journalism, it's a little, maybe a little more complicated. Yeah, definitely. I kind of just had to (laughs) figure it out as I was going because, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, um, As is journalism. Yeah. (laughs) It's, yeah, it is such a difficult topic to talk about. Um, And then I hadn't done a story quite like this before um, that was so person-focused and such a difficult thing to talk about. So, as I said, kind of going at finding people indirectly and in ways where they were kind of open about their experience ahead of time so I could ask what their boundaries were for interviews. So along that note, sort of, what for you was the most difficult part of reporting the story? Was it that trying to talk to people who were survivors, you know? I wanted to be able to get people's stories, but not in a way where they felt like I was using them for the purpose of writing about this um Mm -hmm. and so i was i was hesitant um and 
in regards to finding people and being careful about how to go about that um, because it is very difficult to talk about. So just yeah, going at things indirectly, making sure people were willing to talk about it and not asking for too much. So kind of assessing boundaries as far as like ahead of time with interviews, asking what they were comfortable with talking about so I could frame questions certain ways and not approach on certain topics and yeah just being very clear about what I was writing about and what I was doing it for yeah and during these conversations I was also wondering was there what was the most surprising thing that either happened or that you learned I was curious about that um I talked a lot about this in the article actually um but I think the most surprising thing that I found out was how the movement definitely had some consequences. Um, it had, it wasn't entirely beneficial to survivors because I think from an outside perspective of just uh, knowing people, um, you kind of see it as this, at least I see it as, I saw it as um this positive thing where it it created this community um people felt like they could share um they were getting validation uh but upon talking to people i learned how while you know there was all this stuff going on in the media which was great there was also people were having to see this 24 7 you know you wake up you have a notification on your phone about the kavanaugh trials and it, it was hard to get away from. So it, it did a lot of good, but it was also causing people to relive certain traumas. And then another thing to that is that it made this topic that was kind of, it was constant, you know, like sexual assault, it wasn't, there wasn't really an argument with it. Um, and then Me Too came up and you start to get backlash where there wasn't backlash before and that was very difficult for people to hear as well um i was also wondering in terms of when you were talking to people and in terms of sort of like media re-traumatizing survivors that those conversations to be were they difficult also because you didn't want to re-traumatize people because like we we talked about that a bit but i wanted to ask that yeah, the people that share their stories are very brave in that sense. In order for people to say hashtag me too, they are reliving some of those traumas. In order to talk about the impact of me too, they have to they have to think about that. I definitely felt like I was asking a lot of people in that sense and just kind of part of that was being clear about what I was asking people to share if they were willing to share it. Um yeah. I was also wondering, this was your first cover story, right? Yeah. How'd it feel writing that? You know, I think it was it was more stressful during the interview process because <laughs> I um I was it kind of I it started out a little different than how it kind of ended. So I was initially thinking like, okay, I'm going to share people's stories and um, talk about how the Me Too movement is still impacting people. They're still thinking about it. 
Um, and then it kind of developed from there to where I was, I was kind of talking about it in like a way where it had already passed, but it was still like there were impacts of it that were lasting and what that meant to the people who were survivors. Actually, over winter break, I was thinking about how I was going to write the story. And I actually emailed two or interviewed two other people for this. Carrie Frazee. Oh, who, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I believe her title is Director of Prevention Services. Yeah. And Caitlin Roberts, who is in charge of fraternity and sorority life. Because I... I also was thinking about kind of like, okay, so what's UO doing now? But I it kind of developed into this thing where I was like, you know, I really want to focus on the personal impacts. Um, and yeah, so over winter break, I was like, maybe I want to like talk about how it's affected UFO as a business and then like people in UFO. Um, because, you know, the Me Too movement, it also impacted how businesses were approaching sexual harassment and assault. But, yeah, it just kind of developed into a more person-focused story. So I was wondering about your use of the word. Why did you choose to use the word survivor over the word victim? That's a choice that some people might not have heard of before. Yeah, I think that I, when I was starting to contact people, I was using the term victim as well as survivor. But... As I started interviews, I realized that um, the term victim can kind of place a certain connotation on what someone has experienced. And it also kind of places someone in this box where they it's kind of assuming that they feel like they are a victim of something and that they haven't overcome it. Um, So I started using the word survivor more because I feel like it's a more general term and it's not necessarily assuming it it can't be seen as um as much of a negative thing from someone that has experienced sexual assault or harassment because you're not necessarily placing a certain connotation on them by saying that um and then I Sophie um kind of brought that up in her interview how you know um she was like I I, like in her in her emails ahead of time she identified herself as a survivor and I had like been referring to as victim and so I was like okay like I need to be thinking about this and it's it's interesting just the terminology used um you have to be very careful with all of that really yeah so those are all the questions that I have at the moment but I was wondering I guess I do have one last question. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you'd like to touch upon? Um, and you're flipping through the yeah. print edition right now, actually. Um, let's see. I got very lucky with the sources that I was able to find. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, Kelly Matthews, she was able to speak on her story from the perspective as of someone who is very knowledgeable in social media and crisis communications two things that are very relevant to this movement um and so i think her perspective just from what she does like as a professor every day and teaches 
And then also her perspective as a survivor of sexual harassment. Um, I think her perspective was incredibly valuable. And then uh, Sophie, she she was she's very involved in sexual assault prevention and awareness on campus um and while I didn't necessarily go into details with her about her particular experience um she had a ton of insight to say on the negative impacts of this movement all right well thanks so much for coming in and talking about your cover story. It was great hearing from you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. You can find more Emerald Podcasts on our SoundCloud at Emerald Media, or you can also follow us on Twitter. You can also find us on the Daily Emerald website, on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in, not next week, because it's spring break. Yay. Um, but the week after that for our next episode. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.